As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling? All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Ground, presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Paul Inner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here working for you. And Jay, I have three screens in front of me. Uh, <laughs> And there's a lot happening on here right now. I've got us. I've got our recording for the actual podcast, which are, many of you maybe are listening to right now. We've got the YouTube live show going on right now as well as the YouTube channel is kicking up into full gear. I've got safety contracts on my left. I've got oh a, tre- a tweet about acid trips next to that. There, there's a lot. <laughs> On the screens in front of me as we make our uh, live stream YouTube debut here. I'm not sure I can handle that. I have one screen and that's that's enough. I, I have maybe 35 tabs open. I have to toggle between, but uh, <laughs> just the one screen. Absolutely. Uh, great. If you're if you're here and uh, you want to comment or ask a question or drop anything in, please do into the YouTube stream comment section. If you are listening, is that old school now? Let's just just straight up listening on your drive to work. Is that like a throwback? Uh, obviously, great to have everybody back as we are. We are out of offseason mode. This is sort of like one last tip of the cap to the offseason as we yeah. turn and that sweet smell, Jay. Can you smell it? Ugh, Do you smell that sweet in smell. the air? You- <laughs> it's that smell of that mock turtle soup is just <laughs> oh, it's going up into my nose right now. I can I can smell it. There it is. It's it's making me a little nauseous. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. T- I, I I I've said it before. I won't even let him put a bowl in front of me. I just I don't I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> uh, that means the media luncheon is coming and so very excited to have that happening on monday that will be everybody in the front office it's mike brown 
It is Duke Tobin. It is Zach Taylor. It is Brian Callahan. It is Lou Anarumo. It is Darren Simmons. Uh, all available speaking before uh, we are served the same meal that has been served at this function for, I believe, since the beginning of time. 68. Mm-hmm. Was this Paul Brown's thought? Like people are going to want the sherbet and the mock turtle soup. I don't know, uh, but it's as far back as it goes, and it's a tradition unlike any other around here, and it means kickoff of football season, which is why we're back for you. Let's run through. We're going to kind of tick through a bunch of stuff that's sort of gone off uh, while we were gone. And, you know, the two-on-two series, thanks to everybody that joined for that. Hope you enjoyed that. All those are up on you, the YouTube channel and on the, on the podcast uh, iTunes page. And uh, also, you know, much thanks to Dan and Mo who joined us as we did our throwback to the 2014 Bengals-Broncos game. Uh, but we're, we're going to just kind of go through some of the news that's happened and um, just kind of run through some thoughts on that. Jesse Bates, we're going to talk about him, where that's at, where that's going, trades, what have you. Ring of Honor, Isaac Curtis and Willie Anderson. Anderson announced today as the latest two editions of the Ring of Honor. We talked to them. We've got some thoughts on that. New helmets are here. White Tiger, I think. <laughs> if you look into the background, right? Uh, as we have that going off, we'll have some thoughts on what's going with that. Our fan survey we did. Results are back. It's a lot of fun stuff to react to there. People seem to now talk about Madden ratings again. That's something fun to make fun of. Uh, the Andrew <laughs> Luck podcast had a lot of Joe Burrow elements to it that I want to discuss. Uh, camp schedule, 40 under 40. And uh, yeah, and then next Tuesday, we'll be back with our training camp edition of the podcast. So super looking forward to all that. So we've got a lot of stuff. Jay, we got a lot of stuff to tick through here. Yeah, I mean that that alone says it is not we are out of mock uh, out of mock turtle. We are out of off season mode uh even though we haven't had the mock turtle yet because there there is there's a lot to get to um and top of the page of course is number 30. There's no doubt. I mean the most talked about maybe I mean the most talked mm-hmm. about bangle over the course of an off season in forever. This happens Right. I mean, the fact that this has now gone on, we're going to go through a second run of this, really a year to the day that we thought this would be an inevitability. We're still here talking about that's a year in the headlines of him battling with it and us discussing it with him. Remember the weirdness during camp of him kind of taking his shots on the team stream thing. And it was just and then this whole offseason of back and forth and not being able to sign and leaks here and leaks there and I'm not going to do this. It's just been a big mess. And it's made him just so – I don't want to say over-discussed because he's an important player. Um, he's a very important part of this team. His value is significant. That's not really uh, something that, that I really want to debate here. It's just I think when it becomes so much a part of the daily conversation, it it, it gets a little overblown in that just a lot of people have already played their hands here. And it's yeah. I, and I think, Jay, I mean, tell me if you think I'm wrong. It, to me, it seems like the solution and where this thing ends is 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 a, is kind of simple. It's Jesse's going to either show up or he's not. He's going to decide he wants to make 13 million dollars or he's not. And he has to ask himself that question the same way we said a month ago when we talked about this. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to decide when he wants to show up in camp if he does. And he's going to look himself in the mirror. And only he can answer the question, does he want to make $13 million now by playing football or does he not? And I, you know, I think we know where inevitably where this probably ends. 
Well, I mean, everywhere I go and, you know, online as well, you, people ask, is he, is he going to show up? Is he going to play? And I always say the, there's only one person that knows the answer to that. And maybe Jesse doesn't even know the answer to that yet. He's, he's made his threat. Um, but you, you've said it. We've, we've both said it. It's, it's very hard to leave 13 million on the table. Will, will he hold firm to that claim that he will not play on the tag? It, it it would it would really surprise me if if that's the case because you would think that the history is out there. You, Mike Brown and this organization do not blink. You are not going to demand a trade, and the only way I think a trade happens is if you have a situation, a Carson Palmer situation, where a team maybe loses a safety and comes in and just gives one of those knock your socks off offers um, with a, a a couple really good draft picks. To get him um, out, I don't think there's be there would be much interested in them trading him for quote unquote fair value. It, it's going to take someone really throwing the house at the Bengals to get them to to pull off a trade. It just it feels like thirteen twelve point nine is is too much to leave on the table. Um, kind of it feels like it's working towards Jesse reporting the the week of the opener. Um, whatever that Wednesday is September 7th or 8th and coming into play a, a little rusty after no camp. Yeah. And that, that part is speculation. Probably that's the part that's the unknown to me is when, whenever he has plans, what he thinks he needs to do. I mean, I, you know, he has every right to not want to come in and get hurt during camp. Um, and if he's just going to be about trying to make his money and make sure he gets all of his money, then that's, that's fine. That's usually how these things play out. I mean, traditionally it's how they've played out. Um, you know, the one thing that came out is, you know, you have the offers were sort of leaked to where this thing ended up and it basically ended up at about 14 million per year and 17 million guaranteed from the Bengals for what would have amounted to some version of a four or five year deal, uh, depending on how you, you look at the breakdown and yeah, it's, I don't think that Jesse should take that. That doesn't make sense for him to do. Absolutely not. It's it it's just there's a security in it. I mean, there's a security in that. But let's 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 tick through. You know, when you tick through the deals, the top of the safety market. You know, per year you've got Minka Fitzpatrick at eighteen, Jamal Adams at seventeen and a half, Harrison Smith at sixteen, Justin Simmons at fifteen, Buda Baker at fifteen, Eddie Jackson at fifteen, Byard at fourteen, Marcus Williams at fourteen. Those are all guys that would be making more than him. And then when you look at it depends on how you view fully guaranteed versus total guaranteed. But let's just take total guaranteed, or let's just take fully guaranteed, which is far less than some of the total guarantees, depending on how you look at it over the cap. Minka 36, Jamal Adams 21, Harrison Smith 14, Justin Simmons 32, Buddha 22, Eddie Jackson 22, Bayard 20. You're taking, you're talking about significantly less than what your market value is. I I, I don't blame Jesse Bates for saying I'm I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna sell myself short of my lifetime contract. Um you know, and, and I don't blame him for saying, and I'm not going to show up to camp because he doesn't have much else that he can do. He's just, he is trying to keep himself healthy. He has that right. He doesn't have to sign that. The question to me is, you know, there's an angle for a trade part of that. I mean, of saying, look, I'm not going to show up. Will I play? Will I not play? A trade is just really hard to pull off with the franchise tag guy. Clowney is an example from a few years ago. Well, the Seahawks... As much as they were going for it there, 
when they traded for Clowney, when he was on the tag and got him days before the Bengals played him in Zach Taylor's first game, if you remember correctly, mm-hmm. he ended up with a little egg on their face. Now he was there for a year. Yeah, They never actually got him to the long-term deal. Um, and, and they had to give away stuff to get him. You know, the Bengals are not going to give him away for nothing. We know that. We, we know how that's going to look. They're, they're not going to just give him away. In fact, they're going to want to win the deal because – they don't really like deals where everybody wins all that often. Uh, I mean, it, well, we'd ha- you'd have to see, but you know, a team would have to be willing to take a big risk there in giving away any kind of significant value. If we're talking about what the Eagles are mentioned a lot because they have a hole at safety, they have picks, they have Howie, who is, is kind of a deal guy. So maybe you maybe would see that. Happen. They're mentioned. Um, but there's a lot that they of risk they would have to take on um, in order to make that deal, and I, I just, I don't see many teams that would be willing to do that. I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't see the trade as a thing. It's way too complicated, yeah. and the and the and, and the Bengals just don't make deals that easily. Well, they, they're both sides are taking on risk. If 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 the, if a trade happens, Jesse Bates is still playing this year on the tag, and possibly ri- or risking injury. Uh, and, and having that possibly derail his big contract next year. I mean, he ha- he has to sign the tag before he's traded. And once he signs the tag, that a team that trades for him can't sign him to a long-term deal until after the season. So he's he, he gets out of Cincinnati. I don't think that's his end game. That's not what he wants most. But it, it's still him playing on the same amount he would play for in Cincinnati. And like you said, the team that trades for him is taking the risk because there's no guarantee. If they give up a bunch, he's basically a -a rent-a-player. If if they can't sign him to a long-term deal, he may very well help them to something great this year, but it it is a huge risk. And I think the most surprising thing about this this whole thing is these, these situations tend to be very polarizing. And I don't get that sense. There's not like a team Jesse and a team Bengals. It feels like everybody's like, oh, I kind of see both sides. And I, I think part of that is every, I feel like most people are on the Bengals side and they see the financial responsibility of it and they understand the borough and all the other big contracts coming their way and that this is probably the right way to go. But there is such an affinity for Jesse Bates, too, that he's he's never going to be painted as a villain in this. I think even if he sits out, it's not going to be he's not going to be that villain that Carson Palmer was for demanding a trade and, and essentially retiring, which retiring and sitting out are a little different. But in the end, it's the same thing. Um, so that's. That surprised me a little bit that you haven't had people kind of dig in on on one side or the other. It's just been everybody right down the middle seeing both sides. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there is a there's there's a lot of dark corners of the internet, Jay. That I and we may be open, we may be in one. We may be kicking one over here on YouTube right now. But I mean, uh, I, there's I so you what sentiment really is? You know, we did our survey, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And you know, there's Jesse Bates on most overrated showing up on that list and and there's a lot of people saying he should just just keep this keep this the contract the franchise tag deal as as the way to solve this solution really the bangle the way the Bengals have handled handled it and i think inevitably you know that's where this thing ends and the Bengals end up fe- looking like they played it the right way they mm-hmm. one more ride we've been saying this all summer one more ride is kind of the 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 thing there was Jesse and Joe Burrow at the UFC event in earlier in July along with with Cheeto um and, and hanging out and you, and you have to feel like there that message was look one more ride play great 
Let's go win a championship together. You collect 13 and then still get your 33 guaranteed next year or 18 per year, whatever you want to get make a deal, all that stuff. You still get it all when you go play great. And I mean, Jesse's, he's had a bit of a bet on yourself mantra to him from through all of this. And I, you know, it's hard to make one more. There is a risk involved in it, but I think all sides are continuing to hold the same cards. The Bengals drafted Dax Hill. They have their contingency plan. They'll go that way if necessary. It's a plan B that's available to them. They'd prefer plan A where Jesse shows up and everybody plays. Um, but they're ready to go whatever way it goes, and Jesse has the right to make whatever decision he wants to make, and they're just betting on the fact that, look, we, we, we're we going to bet on the fact that you're going to do what every other player in this situation has ever really done, and that's collect $13 million. Uh, I don't, you know, and, and I don't blame him for playing that hand. Um, so that's, I think that's kind of the basics of it. I know they're like, people want to talk about this forever and want to hear it over and over and over again. I just feel like, We've kind of been, this is kind of the thing we just keep saying over and over again with this as we've gone through this whole summer and this whole offseason. It's the moment Dax Hill was drafted. Go back and listen to the podcast after Dax Hill was drafted. It, it, it ended this conversation. That was yeah. the Bengals playing their hand uh, and making sure they had their insurance policy. And so we'll see how it ends up. Hell, maybe he shows up like it can't. Uh, I don't know that he'll show up when we, when we are there on uh, Wednesday, uh, but you never know. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's move on to the next item here. Um, and Ring of Honor. So I would say, Jay, mild, mild surprise on one of the two. I think we were yeah. talking when it first came out. It felt like Willie and Chad. Yeah. Um, and I think what happened was, you know what you got? You got a little uh, long-time season ticket holder flex. I'm trying not to flex. I know we're on the show. I would do this. If we were just audio only, I would do like a full flex, but I don't really have It's kind of embarrassing. Uh, so uh, it's a little long-time season ticket holder flex because um, they have the extra points in yeah. the vote. The longer you've been there, and they've seen Isaac Curtis, and they know Isaac Curtis, and they appreciate Isaac Curtis, and I love this. I love that it ended up being Isaac. Chad will get in. Chad will have his moment. Chad has lots of moments every day <laughs> uh, in the national spectrum, and that's great. Isaac deserves this, and uh, I like that somebody who is older, um, 
you know get and maybe not as discussed or appreciated gets to chance chance to have their moment and i think that's kind of what this is all about in a lot of ways right yeah i mean i hope this is a trend where you know maybe not next year it's not it doesn't necessarily have to be two of the older guys but it it feels like the chronological aspect of this is the the correct way to go just because they have they've waited forever to do this there's such a backlog of people deserving to get in and it it sounds fatalistic and and maybe not appropriate especially after seeing how awesome isaac curtis looks at 71 it was unreal today Mm. looked like he was in his 50s but you do think about that you ken riley didn't get his moment he passed away and he was represented by his family on the field and i don't think anybody wants to see that happen and not that any of these guys are are close to going but you do never know and it 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 just makes perfect sense to to get the guys that there's so many that are deserving but the guys that have been waiting the longest in my mind should be the first to go in and that's that's not to say i don't think willie should have he absolutely should have he is um as we've said knocking on the door to canton um it would it would be really embarrassing if he ended up in Canton before even the Bengals Hall of Fame. So that was the right move to get him in. Um, but I did. I love I really expected it was going to be Chad, but I loved seeing the announcement and seeing it was Isaac Curtis because I grew up watching the my first Bengals game was in the in 1976. I, I watched Isaac Curtis. I went to Super Bowl 16 and and he played that was the the only Super Bowl he played in where they've only played a couple Super Bowls, but you know what I mean? He just, he was one of those guys that was a, as a kid, just always one of your favorites. And then you go back and you look at the numbers and you, you get an even better appreciation for what he was in that era. And uh, another, just like last year, another hat tip to the fans for, for making the right choice. Yeah. Um, the Isaac Curtis rule. You know his his speed and everything else was causing teams to just say, "Ah, screw it, just tackle him." As he was <laughs> running routes down the field and blowing by them, and they had to put that rule in where no contact over five yards because of Isaac Curtis and really him versus Pittsburgh and a lot of teams. And uh, you know he was a special dude. I mean, he averaged seventeen point one yards per reception. Jay's got stats on that. Am I correct? I do. Yes. Uh, credit to Dave Lappin was the one that mentioned it on the. The uh, Zoom with Isaac today that, you know, a lot of guys kind of pound their chest and, and are happy to to have a season where they average more than 17 yards per catch. Isaac did it for his entire career. So I I looked up how many guys in the Super Bowl era um, average, had more than 400 career receptions and averaged more than 17.1 yards per catch. Um, and there's only nine others that have done it. And surprisingly... Only one of them is in the Hall of Fame, and that's James Lofton. He's fourth on the mm-hmm. list at 18.3. Uh, but you have Stanley Morgan, uh, not the current Bengal Stanley Morgan. The original Stanley Morgan, 19.2. Wesley Walker, 19.0. Gary Garrison, 18.6. Haven Moses, 18.1. Harold Jackson from the Eagles, 17.9. The only active guy on the list, Deshaun Jackson, 17.6 Mark Duper with the the Dan Marino connection 17.4 and Cliff Branch 17.3 and there you have Isaac Curtis after that at 17.1 only 10 guys in the history well not the history but in the Super Bowl era with more than 400 catches and more than 17 yards per catch man uh there's some 
some randos in there, Jay. I mean, I don't I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't follow enough back in the day, but you, know, yeah. you get you. That's uh, that's kind of an interesting, interesting list. James Lofton, by the way, heavy Isaac Curtis vibes to James Lofton's. Game. Yeah, I mean, you can see this almost like Isaac was kind of the original uh, James Lofton, I guess you could say. Um, I, he is one of those that would be. When you watch the videos, and our guy Bengal Jim always has all those old yeah. videos, and he was posting a bunch of them today. I meant to retweet some of those. Uh, but did he have the longest legs in the history of receivers? I Man. mean, it's just like, it's so notable. His, his body composition is just so different than anybody you see playing the game, and that long gait starts going, and he just looks like he's a different person, yeah, a different species than the rest of the guys out there. <laughs> I mean, because that's what everybody talks about is that world-class speed he had, but he didn't actually, he had that long stride. It didn't look like he was a burner, but he did. He just, you see those plays where they'll throw a little screen pass and he'll run away from a guy or two and then just take it the distance. Nobody could catch up to him. It was, it was, it was impressive to watch. And another thing I thought was really interesting is he never had more than eight catches in a game. He was also asked about, you know, what does he ever think about what he could have done in today's era with the rules where you can't you can't do anything to receivers and uh, as pass happy as they are. And, you know, he, he never had 100, uh, 100 um, catches in a year. He's like, we didn't even get targeted that much back then. Um, so it is it's impressive the numbers that he put up uh, in the. The, the limits that the the passing game had. He was the the number 15 overall pick as, uh, coming out of San Diego State. He was the first wide receiver taken in that draft. He was he there was a lot of expectations of him and he certainly lived up to him. Um and then Willie I think was the no-brainer. I think we assumed yeah. that Willie was going to get in and then it would just be whoever else with him. I mean look one of my it was cool to to hear from Willie again today. Mm-hmm. We've written and talked to him a lot and I tweeted this the thing that really stands out to me, it's been so fun to watch Willie's career evolve after football as he has taken on this much more front and center ambassador role for the Bengals and for football and for offensive line play and then and for like the this academy that he does. I one of my favorite things that he said today was talking about how he had 15 kids from his academy this past year got scholarships to college and how he used to pray to God that every year Michael Jordan or Oprah Winfrey would come to Mobile, Alabama and tell us how to get out, you know, and that he wants to do that for kids and, you know, kids from disadvantaged backgrounds is his passion. And, and he, he's using what he knows offensive line play to help kids from those backgrounds come into his academy. He helps, turn him out he mentioned Paris Johnson is a local kid here is now at Ohio State who lived with them for a week and a half as he helped him and you know that stuff has been really cool to watch with Willie after his career beyond everything else because you know his he was such a big voice when he was here you know at least from those I've talked to that were here I didn't cover the team when Willie was here but you know enough from getting to know him since that you know, him you being that voice now on a bigger platform um, has been really cool to see, and I think really cool for the Bengals as an organization, and great for the game. Uh, and he deserves to have his name up there. I mean, we talked to him when we were doing stories about how they don't have a Ring of Honor. 
and about how it was killing all these former players. And he talked about how much, how this to a lot of players meant more than even just even Canton because that was never necessarily attainable. But you just wanted to have the chance to have your friends all there, have your people there, celebrate mm-hmm. your friends, not just when if you get in, but you know your buddies get in. If somebody else gets their name up there and have that time to celebrate them before they go, and, and how much that matters, and that's a part of what this is. And uh, you know, uh, it's going to be really good for and fun to see Willie. And who knows, maybe this will be the one of. Uh, one of two. We'll see how it all winds up. He was a finalist last year, and maybe he ends up in the – I think he'll be in the conversation again. Um, it'll just be a matter of of if Baselli going through helped clear some space for him as another guy. There's just so much damn politics. Yeah. Jay, I'm not going to do it. On our first YouTube live stream, <laughs> I'm not going to go down the frustrating Hall of Fame wormhole. I'm not going to do it. If anybody wants to know my thoughts, you can listen to almost any episode from this time of year over the last five years. I, I'm going to not do it today. I'm not going to do it today. I do. Talk I about do helmets. Think, what's that? White helmets? <laughs> Talk about helmets. <laughs> Give me to a place where I don't get tempted to go down that, go down that wormhole. Um, oh, wait. You have stats. One more stat. I, I want more Jay's got stats for you on wins and losses. Yeah. Well, I was going to say there that you really do tip your hat to Willie because he – he has every reason to be bitter because he he has a Hall of Fame resume and he he played on some bad teams and he he could kind of have that chip against the Bengals that they never really built a winner for him until right at the end of his career and it, there's none of that he is he is very appreciative of he rattled off all the teammates um, the the front office he thanked he, he he's just a a class guy and I do appreciate that about him and and I I looked it up I was curious um, based on the era he played in I wondered where he ranked in terms of number of losses he played in for the Bengals um, <laughs> and it's second all time it he. Uh, Tim Crumry played in 110 losses. Willie Anderson's right behind him at 108. And you, mm. you you flip that, and Isaac Curtis is actually tied for ninth most wins uh, among Bengal players with 88. Ken Riley at the top of that one with 105. Um, the interesting thing here is Kevin Huber and Clark Harris are on both lists. Uh, <laughs> Huber has the fourth most wins and Harris has the fifth most wins and uh, Huber has the, the fourth most losses and Clark Harris has the fifth mo- tied for the fifth most losses with Reggie Williams. But, you know, you think about that, you think of all those losses that, that Willie played and that's, that's not a knock on him. It's not, he, it, it, I think it, I think it actually increases uh, his credentials that, that he wasn't on great teams and he was still that dominant. I mean, imagine how bad those teams would have been without his presence and um, for him to never gripe and complain and, and play through that and, and still craft a Hall of Fame resume speaks a lot about the guy. Uh, I wrote a story about Willie's Hall of Fame case, before, I think the year he became a semifinalist and a big part of it was the story became his venture with pff to grade his career because there was no grades for the prime of his career that the last couple of years of his career there were and he was amongst one of the best 
in the game, like mm-hmm. ever. And uh, for for grading for a season in terms of pressures allowed and this, that, and the other, he mentioned today yeah, his years four through six of his career, which were dead zone for the Bengals, by the way, <laughs> where he only I, he said zero sacks and two pressures allowed, something to that effect. And I where it was, and I I totally believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those numbers I think have to be part of, are part of the equation in the case and why I do think things will be different with Andrew Whitworth, uh, who we talked to. He said he talked to him today on the phone when he got when the news went public, and Whit said, "Yeah, well, cool, because I'm going to be there uh, on <laughs> Thursday night football working for Amazon, uh, and so it'll be good for it'll be cool that Whit will be in the building. At, you know, two guys that really kind of cross paths perfectly to create." Um, a pretty legendary run of great offensive line play for a franchise that has had some legendary offensive line play. Um, That's about all I've got on the ring of honor stuff. Uh, White tiger helmets are here. Jay, are you, are you excited about this? I don't know if I'm excited, but uh, I, again, it's the right call. (laughs) I I do. I think they are going to look awesome. And we, we've written about why they didn't do it in the past because they were, they were painted. They weren't decals and it would take too long to repaint them. You were only allowed one helmet. Now you're allowed to have multiple helmets. The question was, would it, we had it in our fan survey. Do do you want the, the white helmet with the orange stripes? Do you want the old orange helmet with the black Bengals? Or do you want the white helmet with the, with the black stripes and it was overwhelmingly the the white with the black stripes and it, it appears like that's what it's going to be uh maybe some more unveils coming up soon i think it's going to look super sharp i always thought it would have looked great with when they first the original white jerseys were the color rush now it's their standard white jersey um I don't know if we'll see some players at the zoo again, like we did. Oh, give me Gino uh, at the and, zoo. Just bring and, him back. That could be his one. It could be his one day contract. Yeah. His one day contract. He signs it at the zoo and he's in the new whites and, and he says everything he's talking he to the tigers said. and not us. And <laughs> that's his one day contract. He retires as a Bengal. Can we do that? Gino, I, at the zoo, please. I, I would love it. The, the, the uh, other thing I remember from that day is Carlos, no one told him to do it. He jumped up on this rock and he's actually wearing, he, he like jumped up on a rock to do like a tiger pose and he's actually wearing cleats and he slipped and I was like, oh my God, if a player of his caliber <laughs> were to get hurt at a jersey reveal, that would just be so Bengals in, at that time. And yeah. uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a, it, it was a cool idea to put them with the actual white tigers i don't think you're going to see anything like that this time send them back to the zoo i say i love <laughs> it uh yeah so I, yeah i like it uh well and I, coming soon more we still haven't actually seen the helmet yet um yeah. there's just the early like hey this is happening i think we know what it'll probably look like essentially uh but so to see that and whatever the connections the giants had a cool thing today they're doing uh legacy game and so they're bringing back their 90s helmet and jersey and they're painting the end zones like their super bowl they went to or whatever during that era they had a whole thing with saquon barkley and lawrence taylor that included a walkman that i was very excited about (laughs) um as as a proud walkman owner from back in the day jay i imagine you probably had a multitude of walkmans packed with skid row and and poison and def leopard I yeah I, I remember the first I still remember the first uh, CD I or CD the first cassette I put in a Walkman was uh, Journey Escape mm. and yeah. um, I did I used to walk around I walk at OU I still had a Walkman there were 
there were no iPods or anything back then. And that was, that was the skid row, uh, Van Halen, 5150 guns and roses era. And I, I, I wore that Walkman out. Okay, so what was the first CD you put in your disc, man? Let's just go right into the J wormhole. That, that that I don't remember. I I don't remember my first CD. I guess it it would have been mid college, but I I honestly mm. don't remember. Is that is that a good transition for our acid trip tweet, Jay? Yeah, college. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I want to shout out. Um, I want to shout out a, a listener. Uh, Rudy Scheindecht, who responded um, to a tweet promoting the 2014 Bengals Broncos <laughs> uh, game w- with a very matter of fact response of, yeah, yeah, I was tripping on acid during this game and my friend didn't have a TV. So we watched the game on his neighbor's TV through a third story window. Thank you, Rudy, for having the tweet of my day. I, that just made my day. I, and, I, and I thought, you know what? That is a great podcast idea. You know, it's it's <laughs> we're on YouTube live. It's me and Jay and Rudy, and we just talk about things that have happened to in history. Does that have to be sports <laughs> through the eyes of Rudy's acid trips? <laughs> just, my guess I, is, what was your perspective, Rudy? My guess is that wasn't very good acid because I don't know how a football game could hold your attention for an entire acid trip. <laughs> Jay says your acid <laughs> sucks, Rudy. Get better acid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we do not. We are. We are not here condoning the use of no new use of hard drugs. Um, <laughs> but funny tweet. All right, let's just take a quick break. Fan survey. Um, I enjoy this now more than I did in the beginning when we first started doing this because now the trends of progress or failure are are very are are the story honestly like I, I to me Jay when we when we kind of compiled the results and started talking about it I was like the story here is the trust question. It's the whole thing. I mean, there's other stuff that's interesting to talk about, but the trust question, uh, where you saw this team who three years ago, you know, their number one off-field issue, goal, mission was we have to reconnect team and city. They don't like us. They don't view us as popular. They don't view us as in their best interests, as caring about them as a fan. They view us as the enemy. And the Bengals realized they had a problem on their hands with that. And that had to be where everything connected back to. It's why we asked that question in the first place. And to see that question's answer go from 18% in 2020 to 81% now saying, yes, they believe the Bengals trust and value you as a fan. That is, yeah, win games, Joe Burrow, Super Bowls. Obviously, that is tells as much of the more of the story than anything. But the fact that that uh, is what those numbers read is a is is a is a win in the most important aspect of this franchise um over the last few years and it was just it was just so evident it was such a 
big number and such an incredible graphic to look at, to see it tangibly as opposed to just how we talk about it all the time. And really the, the percentages on that one is what I expected. Some of the other questions, as far as trust of, of Zach, of the front office, I thought they would all kind of have just that straight up incline. And, and this, this one is the only one that really did. I, I kind of forgot about how it did seem there, there, once they drafted Joe Burrow in 2020, it, there was this renewed hope and optimism and the 2020 numbers were actually higher. It just, everything plummeted in 2021 after they didn't improve the offensive line and Burrow gets hurt. And so a lot of it was the up and down three year period, but this one, the one about the, the organization respects and values you as a fan. I mean, if you could go back in history and ask that same question, do you think you could get 81.4% at any time in history? <laughs> I, I mean, I'd be surprised. We have to go back to 89. Yeah. Yeah. But there was, yeah, I guess maybe, I, I don't know that people were, were that thought of it that way where it was just more about the wins and losses, but there, there was just, a, a, I was surprised to see, just that rocket from what 32 to 55 to 81 um, you knew it was, you knew it was going to be better, but 81.4 is pretty impressive. I, I, I think the Bengals deserve to pat themselves on the back there because Elizabeth Blackburn with the engagement, the strategy and engagement role has really done a heck of a job. And yes, the winning helps. The winning is a big part of that, but uh, so much of what they did even before the winning started last year was really well received by the fan base. Yeah, and and when I wrote about Elizabeth when she first kind of came on the scene and we talked about, you know, it was the Elizabeth Blackburn reads the comments joke mm-hmm. as the lead was because they, that was the point, was she wanted to fix what people are mad about. She wanted to build a foundation of let's fix what you, what you guys want. Let's Let's reconnect and show that I'm listening to you that I'm listening to what the fans care about and feel like they need from this organization that they feel so disrespected by. And they started there and built that foundation so that if winning ever happened, then it could really take off. And I think that in that way, all sides deserve credit. Yes, it doesn't happen without Burrow. Yes, it doesn't happen without winning. And certainly going to the Super Bowl (laughs) turns it into a total rocket ship. But without the foundation, there still would have been a feeling of, it's still not right. There's still disrespect. It's still dysfunctional. This really was Burrow lifting everything, you know, in, in a godlike fashion. I think this is a sense of more of a lot of people were a part of uh, of this, you know, between from the black the family, Elizabeth, Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, all sort of in Duke Tobin in conjunction of a whole new era, really working together on a lot of different fronts. And that's, uh, you know, a credit to them in taking advantage of all of that. And then what happens on the field, you get crazy numbers like that. I'd be curious to know if we could have done this in 06. Yeah. At, right after that 05 team that was so beloved, Carson coming on, everything looked we headed in the right direction. And then woo, 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 everything <laughs> went down. And it's like, well, okay, how did that happen? Which is kind of an interesting reflection uh, to do. I don't think. It feels like it's on a little more stable ground now than it was then. But, you know, in many ways, you never know. You never know. There's a lot of tough decisions ahead. Um, 
Other notes on here, uh, speaking of tough decisions ahead, I thought the formation of the house that Burrow built, uh, you know, in some of these answers as we ask the stadium questions, you're seeing a lot of comfortability. And they're granted, this is people that are big to big time Bengals fans, subscribers here that are taking this survey. There's a certain uh slice of the community that we're talking to here. We understand the ones that would be voting against such things uh, are probably not even on this survey or or weighing in at all. But big numbers uh, behind some form of new stadium renovation um, being in support of that. And I whew, didn't think that would ever be part of a conversation here <laughs> When you know where it's come from, where there was going to be a lot of you build it your damn self um, from this city, you would think after what happened with with the stadiums with Paul Brown and also Grand American Ballpark. Um, But, you know, when you you see what the team can do to the city, how it can change the entire dynamic of a city. And I want to get into this in the luck podcast thing. Uh, You know, they talk about Peyton Manning and how. He changed the skyline of Indianapolis, not just with Lucas Oil Stadium, which is the house that Peyton built, but the energy, turning it into a convention city, Mm. expediting everything about Indianapolis and giving it this young energy. God, I don't know how you don't listen to that and hear the same things about Burrow here and this Burrow being able to do the same things in the city of Cincinnati and this, you know, kind of being at the forefront of that. I, I think that is a big part of the reason that the that the numbers were so high as far as people in favor of in favor of using the public money to to upgrade the stadium because I think people do see what can happen what 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 transformation and it in Cincinnati's already on the right trajectory they've done I mean it, the, the place is just so much the downtown is so much greater than it was you know a decade ago or whenever the banks came in. Um, the other the other interesting thing I think that's kind of tied to to the amount of people that that were in favor of using taxpayer money is is the question we had on there about how many games do you plan to go to and the the huge number of people that that said none because I don't live in yeah. Cincinnati so if you don't live in Cincinnati, you're absolutely checking the box. Sure, use the taxpayer money. It's not my taxpayer money. <laughs> I don't live in Hamilton County. So I, I, I think that's part of the reason too. But but I do think a good chunk of it is the, the belief in the team and and knowing that, that improving the stadium and, and keeping things going right with the Bengals will have outreach. They'll have tentacles. It will – it'll just – make everything around the stadium even better and you've got the new music venues and there's just there's a lot to like about being downtown right now and you you think about how much you know if they they win a super bowl or two in in joe's time here what how much better downtown can even be jay you just sound like somebody who's standing in front of city council trying to speak your piece right now it's what it is i'm a butler county resident so it's not coming out of my pocket (laughs) <laughs> oh man yeah a, a, a story to come but i thought that was just an interesting takeaway other notes anything else stick out to you about the fan survey jay yeah i was really surprised the 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 one the trust question about individuals with we you know zach and um the front office duke specifically and lou and lou anarumo 
had more fours and fives, five being the most confident, four being the next one down. He had more, a higher percentage of fours and fives than Zach or Duke or any of the other uh, people on that list. And it's just it's remarkable that, that that this time last year, he was projected as the possible fall guy, um, you know, should things go south. And it, nobody really kind of saw him as the DC of the future. And they're just kind of waiting for, for that, that final shoe to drop on, on his tenure here. And now he is the most trusted member of that staff after that, that Super Bowl run. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a flip. Yeah. From, yeah. From, uh, from not knowing if he's going to find a way to be back to that. Mm-hmm. Although how many things could you say, man, when you think about this time last <laughs> yeah, year right. to now, <laughs> I mean, it's like that list of ama- amazing things I'm doing, uh, our Bengals, my Bengals war story, which I do every year at this time, who, who can they least afford to lose kind of like not just talent of player, but of relevance to the team, importance in the way they win and depth of actual replacement on the team wins above Bengals replacement, not general replacement. And, and you, and I went looking at the last two years and last year, I didn't have Jamar chase in the top 10. Because it was like, well, I mean, they got they have Boyd and Higgins. We don't know what chase this chase guy is going to be, you know. From that point last year to now, you know, he's he's up there, uh, and so it's and there's a number of different things. And when you look at the roster and what it is, and we'll talk more about this as we get in next week and Tuesday in our camp preview show. God, it's amazing how I was really jarred by doing that exercise just how much better the roster is even than last year. I mean, exponentially Mm. more excruciating decisions. Before, it was like, who am I going to get into the top 10 that really? (laughs) And now I I feel guilty all the way to 20, to to 18 and 20, leaving people off Uh, because, you know, they they are players. They do have impact. And it just goes, I think this is the most talented roster It's as talented, I would say more talented than 2015, even if you dropped Burrow into Dalton's spot in 2015. Take the quarterbacks out, okay? Mm -hmm. I think this roster, when you really look at it, has more talent than that 2015 team, which was a deep monster. Um, And it's, you know, it's really fun to watch when you think of what they have compiled here as as they go in, but... You know, it's the same thing, right? It's it's the same thing as the trust question. It's year by year. It's gotten better and it's gotten better, and they've really just they've just got things going in the right direction. Uh, the other things on here, uh, the T Higgins conversation is one that we're going to be digging into a lot. And it was everybody was split. You know, it was a very split pie about four different ways. As far as how do you handle it? Do you try to trade him? Do you just give him the money? Do you, because you want to keep the receivers together? Do you go through the situation of just four years in comp pick? Do you what do you do? And man, um, it's a real divisive question right now. And I think one that depending on where you sit inside of your view of the league, because um, different teams have gone, to, teams have been willing to pay the top receivers, right? But then some teams, the Chiefs. Packers trading Hill trading Devonte Adams you know you AJ Brown and the Titans part ways um you saw the Ravens trade Marquise Brown and then draft a uh you know and then go forward with younger receivers it's like 
you know, as the receiver market turned in when it did, it, it creates a lot of divisive opinions. I, you know, I we don't know where that's going to land with this team, how they're going to view it. I can tell you they're going to view Jamar Chase's contract as more important. That's no, it's, that's no slight on T. Higgins. It just is keeping Joe and Jamar together as the future of this franchise. But um, does can that can that include T? I, you know, that's a tough that's a tough question to answer right now because you're still a couple of years away from it. But obviously, people are on different sides. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. All those all those receivers you mentioned that they were the best receiver on their team. And that's not the case with T it's it's I understand why people are are more of the mind to say, just let him play out these final two years. See where you're at. I mean, nobody expects Jamar Chase to <laughs> fall off, but you, you don't have to make that decision right now. The It'll be interesting to see. We'll definitely put that on the survey next year and see how the thought process changes when it when it becomes more imminent that yes he's got two more years on his contract but next year along with burrow he's able to be extended and and where where the people will come down i don't know if it'll be as wide-ranging the the responses next year as, as they were this year because there it, it is it just feels so far off and you 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 could make a case for really any of those four uh scenarios um i <laughs> I know I did it in our exercise when we drafted uh, the the future of the Bengals. I I just I don't know how a team can afford to to keep Jamar Chase and T Higgins, which I know is probably going to make a lot of people sad right now and ask and just say let's just forget about it. Let's cross that bridge when we come to. But you do you always have to kind of be looking ahead, and it's it's going to be really really hard to keep that trio together of Burrow, Chase, and Higgins. Yeah, I mean they can try. It, it would, and you go for it. Um, but it's it's it, it would be um, sacrificing your defense, sacrificing your line, potentially sacrificing a lot of things. You know, there's it's like anything. You know, when all the bills come due, there's there's sacrifices to be made, and you you've got to figure out where you're most willing to make them. And we'll learn. The good news, Bengals fans, don't worry about that. Not Don't yet. worry about that. Days away from the start of camp and the 2022 season, and you get to go watch Chase and Higgins and Boyd and Burrow and Mixon and your new line and all the other players, Trey Hendrickson. You get to go watch all these guys play together in the window. The window, the, the window. They're still smack in the middle of it for the next two years, and uh, they'll get you get to enjoy that. So don't don't think about that. <laughs> don't let it weigh. There's enough problems in the world. Okay, <laughs> don't think about things that are two years in the future. Just enjoy them while you got them. Um, I touched on the luck podcast uh, in talking about the skyline conversation. Uh, we've got I've got a story coming up uh, Thursday. Uh, on the site, on just takeaways, and if you if you haven't listened to Zach Kiefer's podcast on Andrew Luck, God, it's so good. Just yeah. as an interesting story about a human, as an interesting story about football, and then through the lens of the Bengals, an interesting story about someone who has gone through exactly what Bengals fear and worry about with Joe Burrow. There's just lots of lessons, I think that that I derived listening to what everybody said about where the Colts did go wrong with Andrew Luck and maybe who, who was to blame, how they could have been avoided and thinking about it in regards to have the Bengals already avoided them or are they still in the window of still needing to worry about Burrow becoming 
luck. There's so many parallels. I mean, when they when the the whole portion about Lux thriving off of taking hits, welcoming hits, wanting hits, pride in laying out hits on the other team in some cases. <laughs> uh, if that doesn't hit home when you've listened to Burrow talk about that and the team talk about how it's just he he embraces the contact and he thinks that's part of football, boy, I don't know what else does. What I'll say about this as I wrote this and thought about it a lot was I do think this past offseason the Bengals had is the one that Ryan Grigson never did. Mm-hmm. He never had the full sweep offseason on the line. He never, not until Chris Ballard came, did they really say, we're gonna do this. There was picks. There was guys, maybe they tried to and it didn't work out, and that's still in play. You can still, you know, Karras and Kappa could show up and get hurt and never be the same. Some of that type of stuff happened with the Colts. Um, but they never, he never really had an off season like this early in Luck's career. And for that fact, I feel like the Bengals have gone down the path of avoiding it compiling because once you hit that third, fourth season with Luck was when you really started to see the wear and tear and like the one bad nagging injury that started Mm -hmm. to wear on him mentally start to see the erosion. Yeah, because that's what he talks about early in that podcast is just that cycle of of injury and rehab and pain, and then you get back and another one happens, and it just it does it becomes taxing. We Tyler Eifert on you know, completely situ- different situation, but he talked about that a lot about the the just the the mental drain from going through so many rehabs, and you know you you look at these guys as almost superheroes. A lot of people do, and. And they are just human and it is a grind. And um, I, I'm, I'm really eager to finish. I haven't finished this podcast. I've barely started it. And I, I still, the, the first episode was so incredible. And this, this may surprise no one, but I was driving around listening to it and I pull through an Arby's and I get food and I'm, I'm <laughs> eating, I'm eating my food while listening to the podcast in, in my, my van. And they get to the part about the, the most famous hit in Andrew's luck career. Wasn't yeah. the one that he absorbed. It was the one he dished out. So I immediately pause the podcast and go find that hit and watch it. And then I get some texts and I, I, I just, I, I stopped it there. So I finished, ep- I finished the rest of episode one last night while I was mowing. I'm going to hit episode two tonight while I mow my mom's yard. I, I, I highly recommend it. And I can't wait to, can't wait to read your story as well. Kind of comparing the, the, the burrow and, and luck situations. Um, but it, it just a, a, a major hat tip to, to Zach Kiefer because it, it is terrific. And he, he narrates the entire thing and does a great job with it. Even right. He even does the read the ad reads on that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, really good. Really good. I highly recommend it. Even just as general listening. Um, it, it's great stuff. Not at the expense of here, that podcast growling as we start kicking up ours, of course, but you yeah. know, if you have to, if you have to push us to the back at some point, do it for the luck podcast. <laughs> it's worth it. JR, am are we going to waste our air on Madden ratings? Am I going to do this? I'm not, I don't think I'm going to. No. I I do appreciate how much this always riles up players though. But it seems like Madden is purposely screwing them up for publicity at this point, right? Is that their yeah. it, it seems that that's their marketing strategy is to purposely have some total slights out there that get the internet talking about them because now, I'd never remember them becoming such a thing before we're even in the locker room uh where it's like, "Oh, can you believe what Madden is doing?" Like, 
who cares? Like, <laughs> who cares? I mean, is it does it not invalidate when you have Jamar Chase 18th? Like, right. I mean, what what are we what are, what does anybody care what they're doing? I mean, and I did really enjoy Tom Brady though pointing out in year two he was QB number twelve on the Madden game with a rating of like forty two or something like that. And that <laughs> you know, not not to worry about uh, about that stuff. That was good. I appreciated that. But I, I'm not going to waste much more air on Madden ratings other than okay, congratulations. Yeah, and by the way, no hypocritical. Uh, Madden ratings are stupid until you see like Joe Mixon number five and you're like, yeah, see, I told you he's great. No, they're, they're irrelevant and they're irrelevant whether good or bad. Okay. So you got to pick your camp. Okay. Um, Camp schedules out. Uh, You can look at that. You can find that on the Bengals site. No public practice for the Rams Bengals joint practice at this point in that. I feel like that's one you want the fans to see, but it's so late. Mm-hmm. I think they weren't going to have all their bleachers and stuff still up, and there was. I think there's going to be something where maybe like a drawing or season ticket holder involvement, probably with one of the two. But still, sad. I expect a full bridge. That's right. <laughs> I expect to see a full bridge uh, on those two days. That's for damn sure. Um, Lindsey Jones. Um, who did incredible work for us. Yeah, it did, unfortunately, who's moved over to the ringer. Congratulations to her on her new job. But one of her last things she did was she had her 40 under 40 list just every year. Three people from the Bengals organization in that, Elizabeth Blackburn, Brian Callahan, and Zach Taylor, all incredibly deserving. And, um, you know, I think uh, it was – you don't usually see a lot of Bengals on the list, uh, but you go to the Super Bowl and you have that this kind of franchise brand rehab that we've seen over the last few years. And, uh, yeah, you end up a little bit of the talk of the NFL. Yeah, I, I don't think Brian's going to be here much longer, but but it does – Zach and Elizabeth will be. So that is uh, – I won't say it was surprising because they all deserve it, but just knowing the history of the Bengals franchise to have three three people on that list, it's it's pretty impressive. And and I, I know for one, Elizabeth was really excited to be on there. Yeah, and you know, deserving and out of nowhere, right? I mean, yeah. a couple of years ago was okay. They're hiring, they're bringing the granddaughter in, right? <laughs> and 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 now it's oh yeah, oh good thing they did, right? I mean, as as, as so much has changed organizationally uh, under her watchful eye on that side of things. So um gonna miss Lindsay too. Uh sad sad yeah. to see sad to see her go. Um but the show rolls on with us. Season is officially here. Mock turtle soup on Monday. Bengals media luncheon. We'll have lots of reaction from that on the Tuesday podcast. So Tuesday we will be in here with our training camp preview and reaction to uh really everything we see here and learn on Monday at the luncheon. So keep an eye on from that. And then we'll have our normal, you know, our camp camp update schedule a couple times a week. We we try to get as many in as we can in in the off days after the practice days, but you can come down, check that schedule. Most practices go from two 15 to four ish. Uh, So if you're down there and you see us down at camp, say hello. Uh, We always love seeing you guys. Uh, High fives, hand pounds, uh, whatever, whatever you're feeling. I'll, I'll hug you. I'll hug you if you really <laughs> well, want one. Yeah, restrictions uh, it, are down. 
Restricted. And it's, <laughs> and it's not just that we're allowed back in the locker. We talk about that all the time, how big that is. But the the autographs are back. You're going to be able yep. to 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 talk to players and and have that interaction. And I know I feel like that's yes, yeah, some people like going down and watching practice and seeing how the team looks. But that for most fans, that's the highlight of coming to a practice, being able to engage with the players afterwards. So a lot for you guys to look forward to with that. Yeah, it should be uh, should be very cool. Very, very much looking forward to being back in the mix and seeing everybody and uh, doing the camp thing again. At least until the first day, that's like it is today, where it's like a hundred and two <laughs> heat index, and I'm like, this is stupid. Can we can we not watch practice anymore. Uh, Build the damn no. bubble. <laughs> Let's get that thing going daily. Uh, every day that it's in the nineties, I'm just going to spend updating the bubble progress <laughs> as we try to uh, get some of these practices moved inside. But yeah, uh, hope everybody enjoyed our first uh, live YouTube show. We're going to be doing a bunch of these uh, as we go on, as we try to grow the YouTube channel here. Hope you're liking that. And we'll start doing more stuff with the chat session as you guys, thanks to those that, that have been dropping some, some stuff in there. I see an OU shout out. Thank you, Trent. Always good to have some Bobcats in the house. So um, great to uh, great to be interacting that way. And lots of fun stuff we have planned for you here as we get going into the season. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Hear That Podcast Crowd. Have a good one, everybody.